Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Welcome. I'm Dr. Barbara Troutline, Principal and Chief Catalyst at Change Catalysts. I partner with clients to manufacture change in this age of disruption across industries and around the globe. I'm thrilled to be a host for the WAM Podcast and get the opportunity to interview exceptional women in STEM fields. Our conversations are mission critical to ensure all voices are heard and able to contribute to our workplaces and our world. And of course, our dialogue is of vital importance for women and girls also, and men and boys too, to achieve success in life and work. Today, I'd like to welcome Linda Mott. Linda has worked for BC Hydro for 20 years in a number of roles, including employee engagement manager for the Vancouver 2010 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games, engineer and training manager, manager and professional in development manager, project safety manager for the safety task force, human resources business partner, and senior change advisor. Linda's down-to-earth style and a rich blend of project, organizational, and change management skills enable her to work with employees at all levels within the organization. She finds great fulfillment in engaging the right people to develop and implement solutions that remove barriers and prepare and lead employees through sustaining change, a passion of mine as well. Linda is an active volunteer in her community and has coached both soccer and ringette, been on the executive for a water polo club, directed a number of drama teams, and done significant fundraising for the Children's Hospital and Grace Point Community Church, which has offered a free meal to approximately 200 needy people every Sunday night for the past 20 years. That's amazing. She graduated from Simon Fraser University with a Bachelor of Arts and a major in communications, obtained a diploma in business management from British Columbia Institute of Technology and a safety certificate. She has a certificate in theology from Capron Rye and completed a number of courses towards her MBA. So welcome, Linda. We're thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Yes, welcome. All right. Well, I'd like to start off just by asking you, was there anything that you'd like to share about your background and life thus far that wasn't covered in the bio I read? Well, I think one thing I want to say is that I love my job and I've loved a number of my previous jobs and I really encourage people out there to get into something that they absolutely truly love. So when they go to work every day, it's really a blessing. A couple of other things is I'm a proud mom, I have to say, of two amazing kids. And believe it or not, I'm also an amateur magician. So where I work, we safety is basically one of our most important, if not the most important thing. And we do the safety rodeo every year, which happened just a couple of weeks ago. And we had over 1,800 employees and their families. And I did a couple of magic shows. Um, I think that's just fantastic. That's so exciting. <laughs> Obviously, as, as we know, but the listeners don't, we met at a change management conference and you were so gracious to come up to me after I spoke and show me a magic trick that I could use that was totally in keeping with the messages that I was trying to deliver. And I just thought that was so generous of you and so fun. So it's wonderful that you use your magic to contribute to me. And it's so amazing that you found a way to use it to contribute in the workplace as well, and especially around safety. And I have to admit that if we're going to keep chatting about magic is that earlier in my bio, it talked about the fact that I was the employee engagement manager for BC Hydro for the Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2010. And 
believe it or not, in my interview, I had to do a presentation to a number of folks and I did a magic trick, which was a risk <laughs> doing it. I have to admit in a you know very senior level role in a large company, doing a magic trick in an interview was a risk, but people had obviously had never seen that happen before. And they really saw my heart and I think how much I could bring to the role and I was successful. So yeah, who knew that magic would uh, be part of my life in my job? Certainly not me. Well, that's fantastic. And you know, sometimes we think that there's this bifurcation between our personal and professional lives. And I just love that example about how it, I think it also helps us, especially again, both of us are very into, you know, kind of helping people help themselves through all the massive changes that are going on in workplaces today. And so any way that I think we can forge that human connection and make people feel more comfortable and happy and intrigued and inspired. And clearly magic does that. I think that's just a fantastic tool. It is. And I, I love the fact that people regard me positively for it. I think one other thing I'd want to say is that I always stay true to myself. So I am a Christian and I went to Bible college. And when I first started looking for a job, I really struggled whether or not to put that on my resume. And then I thought, you know what, I do not want to work for a company that does not value or appreciate that about me. And so I put it down. And I would say, if anything, it's helped me. It hasn't hindered me. And it's great. People at my workplace know I'm a Christian and respect that about me, respect that I feel comfortable talking about it. And so all those young women and young men out there, if you have some type of diversity, if you're a Christian, whatever it might be, like celebrate it. Don't hide it. Let people know that that's who you are, because that's the type of company you want to work for. And those are the types of bosses you want to work for, those that appreciate those things about you. Yeah, I love that because we can get in that sometimes I think fear threat mode about whatever it could be for your example, whatever aspect of ourselves that we might feel like, again, that crossing that personal professional divide that, again, is, is illusory. And so I love that you, again, well, I think a key to your success that we're here to talk about is doing exactly that, putting yourself out there, being true to yourself and bringing your whole self to work. So congratulations for that. And thank you so much for presencing that right up front. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you also obviously working for BG Hydro and a utility company, you have extensive experience as a woman in a male-dominated environment. So can you tell us what you've learned that would be useful for the audience? I have to admit that I am very relational. I have found that developing strong relationships has been super key to my success. And so I work within a unionized environment. We have two different unions. We have the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the IBW, and then we have Move Up, which is more around professional and office employees. And I have created super strong relationships with the union. And I think that has been one of the keys to being successful in a male-dominated industry, particularly in a professional role. So, for example, some of the things I've done with the union is I work in change management and there's all sorts of different things happening in our company all the time and we need our unionized employees to be on board and we need the leadership of the union to be on board. And so I talk to them early. And I have a relationship with them and I might go for lunch with them. And as a woman, I think I bring a unique perspective, a new 
different perspective on management, leadership, business, and relationships. And so I do small things. I send thank you notes to the union, like physical, actual notes that you go and buy a card at the store and send them a note. And I might put a little um, gift card or something in them, thanking them for their support. I've done Christmas bacon, dropped it off at the union office. I've sent pictures of the team. I was just at the safety rodeo and both of the unions had booze there and I took pictures of them and I sent them to them so they could use them in any of their publications. I've done lots of videos in my career at BC Hydro and I've had the union speak to the employees on the videos and have really tackled some tough issues because we've had some tough issues as a company with regards to safety and our unions have really stepped up around that. And I think engaging people creating relationships with what can be sometimes contentious groups really has contributed to my success in the organization. Yeah, fantastic. I just love that as, as we talk about leading the heart, right? And relationships get results. One of my favorite quotes has always been from Stephen Covey back in the day, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that you know, when you build relationship with somebody, and I love the, all those specific tangible ways that you talked about really to show that commitment to demonstrate that and you know build that trust it's kind of like putting a deposit in your emotional bank account mm -hmm. with people and you know when we know that in times of change as you just said we're going to need to make a withdrawal so all those things that you talked about that's just fabulous and i think that's also one way that again not that a man can't do any of those activities that you just engage in but maybe they might be things that would be a little more top of mind for a woman and so turning that around a bit, not only what you've witnessed in organizations and how you contributed, perhaps somewhat uniquely as a woman in a male-dominated environment, you've also had the opportunity to witness firsthand how leaders within organizations as well as within the government can promote women and underrepresented minorities also to enter and succeed in industrial workplaces. So what can you share with us on that front that would be useful for our audience? So I think one of the things I'd like to say is that Find an employer that, again, believes in you and supports you as an individual. So I work for a company that I have to admit is pretty amazing. And I've had two sabbatical leaves. There was a time when I had both my children and I went to my daughter's class. School had been in for a couple of months and the teacher asked me who I was. Because I were, was working so much, I never got to take my child to school. And I mm. thought that that did not sit well for me. And I wanted to really experience that part of my kids' lives. And I felt I was missing out. And so my employer supported and continues support sabbatical leaves within our organization where you can take anywhere from six months to a year off. And so I took seven months off and was a mom and reconnected with community and developed some really strong relationships actually with a whole bunch of moms that I continue to celebrate to this day and really develop some of those stronger relationships with my kids. And so I could not have done that if I hadn't worked for a company whose leaders didn't believe in allowing people to explore that part of them. So I think it's really important that you work for a company that celebrates that. Like my company, they do things like in vitro fertilization, like they'll do a subsidy up to $15,000 for that. Mm. You know, they've got maternity wow. leave top up payments for moms and they've got academic scholarship programs for children of employees. And they are really, they are very amazing. 
So I so appreciate that about my uh, organization and the leaders decided to put those things into place. I guess the other thing I would say to this audience is consider a career in the trades. I mean, that's a lot of what we're talking about. And that's why I'm on the call is as well as like, you can do such amazing things as a woman. And we have, for example, in my industry, I work in the utility industry and we have something called power line technicians. Powerline technicians, they can make more than a lawyer. And it is an amazing career and it's a male-dominated career, but women are starting to enter it. And I really highly encourage women, if you love being physical, you're not afraid of heights, consider that as a career path. Yeah, fantastic. No, I love that. Absolutely. And you know, again, that's the to your point, those are just some options that a lot of women might not even know are available. And to your point, you know, potentially lucrative and, um, you know, especially in this time of, uh, you know, families of many different configurations. And oftentimes, the, you know, that earning potential is, you know, again, something that just those kind of career paths, not something that is top of mind all the time. So mm-hmm. speaking of which, to, you know, f- try to find these career paths, what advice do you have for women and girls considering? a career in industry, you know, just in general, and maybe any specific tactics that you've seen so they can understand that these kind of opportunities and possibilities exist. Okay. So Google is your best friend. No, Google is one of your best friends. Google, like, (laughs) go out and research, research companies, research opportunities. So get in a, get a sense of some of the opportunities. And I know in high school, a lot of um, people these days, you know, they look at these different, they do these different tests and it sort of says you might be good doing this and that. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to what you think you might be good at. But really where, for me again, I'm relational and where breakthroughs have happened for myself and for others has been around the relationships and talking to people and interviewing people. You might laugh, but one of the best people to talk to is your hairdresser. They talk to <laughs> so many people. <laughs> they talk to so many people every day. They know everyone. They know everyone in your community. They know their life stories and they will get you connected. Think about the people that you know and just start talking to them. Talk to them about who they know and what opportunities might be in their company. So within, again, within my company, If you start on some of these career paths, we pay for your training. So, for example, if you become a power line technician and for that to become a PLT, to be considered to become a power line technician, you need English 12, math 12, and physics 12. You have to be physically fit, have mechanical aptitude, be able to see normal color, vision. And we start you at $24 an hour, about, and we train you for four years. And you are being paid while you're being trained. And we have a number of programs like that within our organizations. And there's other organizations that do that as well. So many people think, oh, I got to go get a university degree and then I'll get a job. Take a look. Go talk to people. There are opportunities that you're not aware of where they will pay for your education. They will train you on the job at a good wage and it'll be incredibly fulfilling for you as a career. So my advice to women is to do that. And you know, some of those people that say, hey, you should consider that, they become your advocates. 
quite often, you know, they will go, oh, I met this amazing young woman. For example, if I was at an event and someone said, you know, I'm looking for a new employee and I kind of looking this and I had connected with an amazing young woman in the past few months, I would go, oh, I just met someone. Can I forge you their resume? I think they'd be great for you. But that connection would never have been done. And I've made many of those connections in the past without someone actually talking to me and connecting with me, not just sending me a resume, but meeting with me, going for a walk, having a cup of coffee, whatever it might be. So oh, that's, that's fantastic. And, and you know, the other thing that I'll help you do, obviously, is, is really understand what is that job like? You know, what do you do on a day-to-day -day mm -hmm. basis, right? You know, what other skills and, you know, can I bring in? Because so many of the other women that I've talked to that have pursued careers in industry, in manufacturing, in engineering, you know, one, one quote I love from another one of our interviewees was that manufacturing is like a candy store, right? And, you know, there's just so many different flavors and so many different things that you can do that's beyond the typical stereotype, right? Of, you know, either boring engineering job sitting by a computer, right? Doing a lot of yeah. analyses all day or dirty industrial jobs, right? There's just, you know, there's some of that in each, obviously. And yet it's very expansive, everything from project management to like you say, you know, running teams. And so it's it's a lot more expansive and a lot more diverse than might be our stereotype. And, and to your point, actually doing that kind of networking and proactive research and, you know, asking people to sit down with you and meet with you, you know, again, and it's, and, and the what I've heard on the other side from the more senior women I've interviewed, it's enriching for them, right? Feel like they're mentoring the young generation, they're leaving a legacy, they're giving back. So, because I know sometimes it can be intimidating to have that, to do that ask. Yeah. And I know that, so I have a young daughter who's 20 and, you know, one of the greatest things for me as a mom has been to see her sort of unfold her wings and to reach out mm. to people and have a conversation. And I can say as a woman, as a mom, when someone wants my advice, wants to talk to me and I can help them, boy, you have made my day. Like I come home and I am super excited. So do not be intimidated. We love it. We love it. So few people reach out to us and say, hey, can I have a chat? And when that happens, honestly, it's wins for everybody. It's a win for you and it's a win for me. And it's a highlight not only for my day, but for my week. So absolutely. And I've sent people on ride-alongs where they can go out, they can ask questions, they can get a sense of things and really determine, is this the career for them? So, yeah. I love what you said that about ride-alongs. That's fantastic because I remember back in the day when I was in graduate school and learning about this field of organizational psychology, that's definitely one thing that we talked about was that one of the best ways to encourage retention in organizations and make sure that, you know, everything that you do to, because it costs a lot from the other end too. It costs a lot for employee, for employers to acquire new employees, right? Attract and retain. And one of the best ways to encourage new employees in terms of retention is what we call the realistic job preview, right? Really go on the ride, walk the floor, sit down and, you know, observe what's happening. So I love that that's something that, again, a lot of people wouldn't have even thought to ask. Can I do a ride around? And what you'll mm -hmm. see would just be fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Any other advice in terms of, again, maybe, you know, just looking past how do you find and identify these opportunities? And maybe once when you're having the conversation about, you know, is this the place for me and negotiating? Is it right for you? Any thoughts on that front? Absolutely. So time and time and time again, I find that women undervalue themselves and undersell themselves. And we should be negotiating higher salaries. So let me give you an example. Maybe I'll give you two examples. So 
there was a young engineer that was part of the engineer and training program that I had uh, managed for a number of years. And she had been offered what was an amazing job in Chicago. And I was, I was supporting her through the interview process and we were practice interviewing and all those types of things. And then I said, do not accept the job as soon as they make the offer to you. So quite often what will happen is they'll, someone will say, I'd like to offer you the job and you are super crazy excited and you go, yes, absolutely. And I'll totally take that job. And my advice is always to say, oh, that sounds really amazing. I'd love to see the offer. And if they tell you what you're offering, they're offering you for the salary, you don't go, yes, absolutely. Yes. You go, oh, okay. Can we negotiate that? Is there any room to move up? And I just remember this young woman, I said, don't accept it. Don't accept it. And they offered her what she thought was an amazing amount of money, was so thrilled, accepted it. And then we chatted afterwards and I was like, what did you do? Like we chatted. She goes, I know, but I just, it sounded so good. And I said, you know, you can go back and say, cause you haven't signed anything yet. And you can go back and say, I'm absolutely taking the job. You know, I committed to it. I'm super excited to work for you guys. I've had a chance to look back at the offer and I'm just wondering if there is a little bit more room. And there was a little bit more room, even though wow. she already accepted wow. it. Wow. And I've had other conversations with people where they have said, mm, that sounds really great. Is there an opportunity for, you know, can we negotiate? I was really thinking somewhere in the range of, and ladies, if someone says you, how much are you expecting or how much do you want for a job? Never say something like $40,000. You say something like, oh, maybe between 40 and 45,000. Knowing that 40 is actually the, you know, the minimum that you would take and you, you know, be happy with and 45, maybe you'd be thrilled with, but you always give a range because that gives them something to work with. Because if you give a range, typically they're not going to give you the very lowest thing in your range. So I always say, negotiate, be upfront, tell people you're super excited, super thrilled about the offer, but never accept the first offer. Always negotiate. As women, I find we don't negotiate very well, but to negotiate, you actually have to negotiate. You have to not just accept. So find the strengths within yourself, write out the words beforehand. If you think you're going to be made the offer, so you sound super crazy professional, and nine times out of 10, you'll get a little bit more than you were expecting, I would suspect. Fantastic. Now, I love that advice. And you're right. I mean, one thing that we do know time and again is that, you know, women can definitely, especially for themselves, you know, either not negotiate or not negotiate to the extent that they could. And I love also what you talked about before in terms of understanding the benefits that, you know, the employer will provide around things like, family leave and that sort of thing. So that would definitely be, you know, you can always negotiate both on salary as well as, you know, some other terms and conditions, including benefits. So important in presence as well. Absolutely. One of the things sometimes companies will call, come back and say, no, I'm sorry, that's the salary. But then you're able to go, okay, is there, is there a possibility for additional vacation time? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. twice my husband has negotiated higher vacation, but not necessarily a higher salary. So there's always yes. something. Right. Or or a starting bonus or whatever it might be. So again, it's an opportunity to think creative. And that's the kind of thing that, again, those kind of mentoring conversations or coaching conversations behind the scene with other more senior experienced women or men, to your point, can really provide. 
Okay, Linda, I'd like to switch gears with you a little bit and ask you a different kind of question. And that is back to your personal career. I'd love to hear what the biggest single challenge you faced was and what that experience taught you. I think the single biggest challenge I faced is at one point in time, I was working in an environment where, to be honest, introversion, attention to detail, and what some might think are sort of some of the harder skills, the more analytical skills were most valued. And as you can probably tell from the call, I'm more creative, I'm extroverted, I'm a little more innovative, persuasive, I'm more around people and less about numbers. And I was working for a boss and a part of an organization that did not value what I brought to the table. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was a slog. It was hard going to work every day. And I had to really think, is this what I want to do? So it was the company I wanted to work for, but not the job that was the best for me. And so mm. I had to really look at where my strengths would be valued in the organization. And I you know, applied on something else and was successful in another role in the company that I loved where I was mentoring people and coaching and doing the things that are dear to my heart. So I would say if you're working for a company and you're going, this is not the job for me, don't quit the company. If you love the company, then give 150%. Like don't go, oh, I hate this job. I'm only going to give 70. No, you give 150, you do everything you can. People notice that. And if that doesn't move you to a better place, if you giving 150 doesn't move you to a different place, then consider other options, but look within other options within your organization first, because mm -hmm. they're the folks that know you and they're invested in you. And so they're going to look for other opportunities for you, most likely. So I would just say, not happy, do something about it. Fantastic. Fantastic. And speaking of that, doing something about it, what would you say is the smartest decision you ever made in your career and how did it contribute to your success? I think probably when I started, I was going to university and I was not seeing a job at the end of it. It was not giving me practical enough courses for me to feel confident that I was going to get a job. And so I was actually three years into a degree. I'd completed three years of my degree at Simon Fraser University. And I went, I'm not going to get a job with this. Like I'm going to end up at a highly skilled person working at McDonald's or some other fast food joint or, you know, hosting somewhere at a restaurant. And that is not what I wanted to do with my life. And so I quit to the horror of my parents after three years of university. And I went to the British Columbia Institute of Technology, BCIT, and I got a diploma in personnel and industrial relations. And that led me to some jobs. And my very first job was because of a connection and a relationship I had developed. So one of the courses we had to do at BCIT is we had to go into an organization and do a project for them. And I did a project for the University of British Columbia. And I was actually on the dean's list at that time. I was doing super great in school. And in that course, I bombed. I was with two other people who were not very good. We got like, honestly, I don't even know if we got 60% in the course, but I got a job because the person I did the project for saw the value I could bring to their organization and actually offered me her job. Hmm. 
And so then I ran a secretarial agency for UBC and that launched my career into, you know, human resources. And all because I thought, hmm, university's not getting me what I need. I need something more practical. I wish I'd thought of trades at the time, but it wasn't something that was really strong for women at the time. Certainly nothing my parents and I ever talked about. So I went and did uh, human resources and through a course, I got a great job. So again, I say to women too, because we have a co-op program for a number of our programs at BC Hydro, do co-op because that's again, when people get to know you, get to know your skill set, and quite often job offers come through that. Yeah. So whether it's co-oping or internship opportunities, I mean, all those are fabulous. And I love also how you, you know, made lemonade out of lemons in terms of, I think probably almost all of us have had some disappointing group project experiences in school. <laughs> so that's wonderful that that's something the positive came out at the end of that rainbow. So, um, so fantastic. Well, well, great example, great example for being so savvy in assessing where you were with your education and, you know, what possibilities it was going to lead you to and really taking, you know, again, after all that investment of three years, really, you know, taking the bull by the horns and getting something that was more aligned with where you wanted to go. So that's very impressive for such a young person to have that insight. Thank you. Any other particularly smart decisions that you made maybe when you were on the job that, you know, again, might have been an enriching experience for you and contributed to your success and that would be, you know, something that others could learn from? I think, honestly, the best job I, although I, I got it, okay. I love my job. I work on change management, which means I get to work on a number of different things across the company, but I actually wouldn't be the success I am in the job now without a job I took in 2009. And that's when I applied to be the employee engagement manager for BC Hydro for the 2010 Winter Olympic and Paralympic Games. And honestly, those were the longest hours I've ever worked in my life. I think I worked 62 days without a day off. And I injured my leg at the time and I was on crutches, you know, the first week going into the Olympics. It was crazy. But it was fun, as you can imagine. It was super cool. And it exposed me to executives and other senior leaders in the organization that I never would have had exposure to. This was all hands on deck. We were providing reliable power to the games. In some cases, we had to do or give triple redundancy to things. So the shot clocks, can you imagine? If you're at the biathlon and the clock stops working, that would be on BC Hydro. That could not happen. And so wow. we were doing an incredible amount of infrastructure and things behind the scenes in order to make sure the Olympics were a success and the Paralympics were a success. And we developed some programs and I was in charge of all the programs because we got some slots where people could carry the torch and we, you know, had access to some different things because we became a partner of the games. And that by far was the kind of biggest step outside of my comfort zone to apply for this being successful. This is where I did my magic trick to get the job and was honestly the most amazing experience of, of my life. And it has set me up for success because I had to work at such a senior level and meet with so many senior people across the organization. Those relationships have held me in good stead today, even today, you know, basically almost 10 years later. 
Well, fantastic. That's so exciting. That must have been so thrilling. I'm sure a lot of us on the call are listening now and thinking, wow, just being behind the scenes at the Olympics, what an Paralympics, what a, what a fantastic opportunity. And also just to think how much you contributed to that fantastic, you know, event. That's so exciting. Well, I also want to be respectful of your time. And so, Linda, as we close our session today, What's a key message you'd like to leave our audience with? So asked another way, what challenge or action step would you pose to our listeners today? Call to action. I think my call to action is do your homework. Meet with people in industry. It's never too early to network. So if you're in grade 10 and you're listening to this, go talk to people. Find out what the opportunities are. If you're, you know, older and you're listening to this, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, honestly, it is never too late to change your career path and be super successful and really happy in what you do. So network, 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 network throughout your entire career. I network all the time. And in fact, the reason I'm on the call is because I network with Barbara, who's your host today. She was speaking at a conference and I went, oh, she sounds like... I just thought, I have to meet you. You're such an amazing lady. And I thought, how can I go up to you and sort of develop a conversation and get to know you? And that's when I offered the, the magic trick that you could use within your presentation. And that created connection, which created the opportunity to be on the show. So you never know where conversations will take you. And so my final advice is have conversations, find out what's out there, network, develop relationships, get a mentor, get a coach. It'll make a significant difference to your career. Well, thank you so much, Linda. That's a perfect way to wrap up with, again, start with the end in mind. How did we uh, start? <laughs> and to your point, exactly. That's right. It's all through networking. It's all through conversation and also generosity, your generous sharing. So thank you so much for that. And I was just, you were top of mind when I was invited to be a guest host for the WAM podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm sure we've all benefited from Linda Mott's inspiring story and tangible advice. And thank you so much again for taking the time to engage in this conversation with us today. And that's also what I would say to all the listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And please do continue to engage in this conversation online at womeninmanufacturing.com and also following us on Twitter as well. So I'm Barbara Troutline again, your guest host, and I look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks again. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.